Hello, ma'am. Hello, Tess. How are you, darling? I'm good. How are you? Good. I went to a really hard workout earlier on this week. Not as bad as your rhabdo one, but boy, my legs are killing me. So I'm happy to sit down and do some recording instead of working out. Nice. And and I have to make sure that I don't now think everybody has rhabdo when they're sore. So I'm going to restrain myself from telling you to check the colour of your pee and measure your muscles. I will tell you these thoughts have gone through my head. I think I'm fine, but I'll, I'll call you if I need some advice. Nice. So what have you got for us today? Well, this was highly requested. Today we are going to talk about melatonin Ooh, because most people i know are familiar with it and i would say a large portion of people i know also take up melatonin supplement or gummy each night and are wondering is this actually good for me i will just say tess that when i was teaching in a university in the last few years i was flabbergasted how many of my students were taking melatonin so that accords with what you're seeing lots of discussion of melatonin on tiktok So if you actually search the hashtag melatonin on TikTok, it'll bring up every video that's been tagged with that hashtag. Guess what the combined views of those videos are? Let's say something silly like 10 million. So it's 1.3 billion. Oh, my word. Yeah, so that doesn't necessarily mean there were billions of videos made. It just means that all of those videos combined have been viewed that many times, which means that people are watching all of these different videos about melatonin and who knows if they're getting the right information. So that's kind of why we're here to figure out what these videos are saying and if it's accurate. Why are people researching this test? What is it that they think melatonin will do for them? It seems that most people think melatonin helps you sleep. And I will say from what I've heard about melatonin, that's what I know about it, is that it's a supplement that will help put you to sleep. And I think with how much we're on our phones and things like that nowadays, a lot of people need a little bit of assistance in getting to sleep. It seems to be that melatonin is the answer to our prayers. (laughs) Well, our sleep prayers, at least. Yes, scientists agree that melatonin does absolutely have a role to play in our sleep. Different researchers use different expressions, but my favourite one is that melatonin opens the sleep gate. The idea being that melatonin doesn't actually do all the work of helping us sleep, but it gets the process going. Other researchers have described this as firing the starting pistol. It's a hormone. It's produced by our pineal gland, which is a teeny weeny little structure right in the middle of our brain, very difficult to get to. And this hormone is produced in increasing amounts once daylight goes down. So after dark, we produce more and more of this hormone until it gets to a certain level that it opens this sleep gate. And now we are ready if another condition applies to get to sleep. So have you any idea what else needs to be going on in order for us to get to sleep? Have you heard of any other chemicals in the brain, for example? Ooh, yes, because is this the one that that if you have lots of lights on, it stops you from producing it? Oh, well, that would actually be the lights being on are thought to reduce you producing melatonin. So that's a great idea, but not that one. Okay. Um, Serotonin is the one that makes you happy. (laughs) Um, Yes, amongst other things. Sleepy tonin? Sadly, scientists called it adenosine, but sleepy tonin would have been a much better name for it. Adenosine is something that we produce by being awake. It's a byproduct of the reactions that keep us alive and that keep us awake. The longer we've been awake, the more adenosine that we've produced. Adenosine produces what researchers call sleep drive or sleep pressure. The idea, therefore, being 
the longer you've been awake, the more adenosine your body will have produced, the greater the sleep drive or sleep pressure. Therefore, we need to have melatonin to open the gate or fire the starting pistol. And once the gate has been opened or the starting pistol has been fired, then the adenosine will provide the pressure that will get us sleeping. So it's got to be the two things. From what I'm understanding, the melatonin is like the key to the gate and then the adenosine is like the walkway through the gate. Is that right? Yes. And the adenosine can't walk through the gate if the gate's not open. When you were in college, what about those friends of yours who needed to pull an all-nighter? What did they do to prevent going to sleep so they could get that paper submitted? Mm, Well, the things that I know that people were doing were either coffee, energy drinks or Adderall. Yeah. So let's go with the coffee and the energy drinks because they weren't drinking decaf they were taking in coffee or energy drinks that had lots of caffeine. And caffeine's interesting because caffeine actually blocks the actions of adenosine. That's exactly how it works. So that shows you how important adenosine is because if you block the actions of it, you stay awake, at least for quite a while. Okay, so based on that, it sounds like you do need this melatonin to start the sleeping process. So these supplements sound like they'd be potentially a good idea if you're having some trouble getting to sleep? They do, don't they? But the evidence in support of melatonin supplements is really very limited. The research studies that I've seen suggest that, yes, absolutely, people do get to sleep more quickly when they use a melatonin supplement. But they probably only get to sleep about five to ten minutes quicker. And it seems like in total during the night, they may sleep for 10 to 20 minutes longer. So it doesn't seem that if you're someone who is only getting four hours sleep a night, taking a melatonin supplement is going to get you a nice seven or eight hours. You might get up to 20 minutes longer, which isn't really a massive deal, I don't think. So because I've actually taken melatonin gummies before, not frequently, but if I had jet lag or something like when my body clock was off. And I do feel like it got me to sleep so quickly and I slept for way longer. So is that a placebo effect? Oh, that's a good one. Well, let's just listen to this TikTok recording for a moment. Apologies in advance, by the way, for the whooshing noise that you'll be able to hear. That's not from our tech. We think we've got it sorted now. But that's actually from Abigail's original TikTok video. I've still been getting the best sleep of my life recently, taking melatonin gummies. And my melatonin balm. It's truly the best sleep of your life. And I've been mixing the lavender chamomile and then melatonin spray just like on my bed. You will be put in a deep sleep. Of course, this is my secret weapon. I apply my magnesium to the bottoms of my feet i'm gonna try it on my stomach too because i heard that's also good and while it's on my mind i'm gonna use a little bit of eye cream and let's go to sleep now see how many other things that she mentions she mentions the magnesium she's taking melatonin in several different ways but she also mentions lavender so Certainly in her case, it's difficult to know which of the things were actually affecting her sleep, if they actually were. But as you said, placebo effect. You know, she's set up this lovely environment. She's gone to bed. Yes, she's rolled the melatonin on her forehead and on her feet or whatever she's done with it and the magnesium and the lavender. But she also believes these things are going to work. And if anything is the killer to getting to sleep, it's got to be anxiety. It's got to be, oh, I'm a terrible sleeper. I'm not going to be able to get to sleep. If you've taken something 
that you think is going to help you get to sleep, whether it be melatonin or lavender or magnesium, that's quite possibly going to relax you enough to make it a little bit easier to get to sleep. So yeah, I strongly suspect that when you've taken the melatonin gummies, you've got mainly a placebo effect. Is that bad? If it's not hurting you and the placebo effect is giving you the desired effect, it's fine, right? That's an interesting perspective. Leaving aside the fact that scientists like to be honest about things, so having somebody have a benefit that they believe to be due to a drug and it's actually due to the placebo effect, that makes me somewhat uncomfortable. We do need to consider whether there might be downsides to the melatonin. So let's say the melatonin isn't doing much for your sleep, it's more the placebo effect. What might the melatonin be doing to other aspects of your physiology? And it's interesting There is some research to show that melatonin affects almost every organ system in the body. It's been identified as affecting things like your cardiovascular system, so that's your heart, your immune system, your ability to fight off infection, gastrointestinal function. And the one that really strikes me and the one that really I think has produced the most interest in researchers is its effects on the reproductive system. For example... Very small study, admittedly, that I looked at, but this very small study showed that in some men who were taking melatonin, they had a reduced number of sperm, and the sperm that they did have weren't swimming very well. That's pretty scary. Because they were tired. (laughs) How ironic is that? When I read about this, one of the things that jumped out at me was the world is concerned about a decline in sperm count. A general decline in male sperm count is believed to be happening across the planet. So do we really want to be adding to that by the use of melatonin? So that was one thing that I was pretty concerned about. And if that's a yikes, a double yikes for me, is that, again, it's limited at this point in the amount of evidence that we have, but there is limited research and limited evidence to suggest that melatonin might delay the onset of puberty. And as we know that we have way, way, way more children being given melatonin gummies by their parents now, the fact that it might have such a significant effect that it could change when a child goes into puberty, I think that's a double yikes. That's pretty terrifying to me. And so obviously the the sperm stuff would apply to biological males does the delayed puberty apply just to young boys or is that boys and girls boys and girls and in case anybody's thinking oh well that's okay because I'd give it to my child when they're eight but I wouldn't give it to them when they're 11 we should all be aware that puberty there are changes going on within the bodies of biological boys and and girls several years before we actually see the outward manifestations of puberty so you can't say puberty starts when for instance a girl starts her periods the physiological body preparations for puberty are going on at least a couple of years before that that's pretty scary to think of actually that's that's messing with quite a large part of growing up really Uh, i would say so and if you think that's scary let me give you one other scary thing so and i'll put this in the show notes but i was reading a very nice little research article that gave some statistics about how the calls to the poison control centres up and down the country about children taking melatonin have increased over 500% in the last decade. So that's where parents are calling the poison control centre and saying, my child has taken, you know, they found the gummies and they've taken too many of them. Those calls have increased over 500%. In the last 10 years, 4,000, in fact, more than 4,000 children have been hospitalised 
because of taking melatonin supplements. 287 ended up in intensive care and two died. That's pretty scary, wow. isn't it? It is. And I, and I can see why that happens because they usually are in, in a gummy form, I think, especially for kids. And so they are, you know, they taste quite sweet. I can totally see why. I mean, mum, you know what I was like as a child, constantly trying to break into cabinets that had cookies in them and that kind of thing. So I would have totally been one of those kids that if I was able to get into something sweet like a gummy, I would have eaten all of them. I agree, Tess. And it's interesting that if you go back to the Abigail Feely, I can't quite remember her name now, TikTok, the one we talked about earlier, on the video, it looks like she's scarfing these gummies straight from the bottle one after the other. So I think it's a really big problem when you create something that feels like a candy, that tastes like a candy. Of course, people have the potential to take too many. So that's a pretty scary downside to these melatonin gummies. Something else that's interesting about these gummies, do you remember we talked about some of the negative aspects of these supplements? I I did, and and interestingly, when looking on TikTok and kind of discovering all these melatonin videos, I looked and I saw a comment on one of the videos that said, none of this is regulated. And I thought, oh yes, I remember we talked about that. None of these supplements are regulated. When we're talking about unregulated supplements, we are talking about things which there's not research to support their use. But we're also talking about supplements which will have been formulated and manufactured in a much less regulated way than prescription medicines. And because of that, you can't rely on the labelling on your supplement bottle. So with respect to melatonin, and again, I'll put these studies in the show notes, various studies have shown that the actual amount of melatonin in the gummy that you're taking can vary anywhere from about 80% of what the dose says on the label to a whopping 500%. Oh my goodness. So you have no idea when you take that Kroger supplement what you are taking. Yeah, that's pretty scary. So the rest of the world has a bit of a different approach to a melatonin test. What do you think it is? Well, based on what I know about cosmetics, like for example, in America, you can buy all this stuff. But in Britain, I think it's something like 5,000 of these chemicals that are in American cosmetics are actually banned or something like that. I, I can check the facts and put it in the show notes. Ooh, but based, yes, on, <laughs> based on that, I'm going to assume that it's the same with these supplements, that they have way more banned substances than they do here in America. Well, it's certainly the case that melatonin is not available in Britain and in fact most of Europe unless your doctor prescribes it for you. You can't just go and buy it from the supermarket. What that tells us is the British and the European physicians and organising bodies, they don't necessarily think that melatonin is harmful, but they think that there's not enough research out there for us to be able to safely take it over the counter. And one of the problems with melatonin that we definitely understand is that it has the potential to interact with other drugs, prescribed drugs that you might be taking. Things like blood thinners drugs that people take to reduce their chances of developing a nasty blood clot, a group of drugs called benzodiazepines, which you may well not have heard of. But if I was to say Valium and Xanax, you'd have heard of those, I would imagine. Yeah, I have heard of those. People will say in movies, or like, oh, Papa Xanax, something like that. Tons of people are taking those drugs. And if they are then self-prescribing melatonin, we know that there are potential unsafe interactions between that melatonin and those drugs. So yet again, we're going to have to give the message, melatonin is not necessarily bad, 
but it should be your doctor who is prescribing it. You shouldn't be prescribing it yourself. Go to your doctor, talk to them about your sleep. There may be other things that they suggest, but if they do suggest melatonin and prescribe it to you, you're going to get a regulated dose, not dosage that could vary between 80% up to 500% of the stated dose, but also your doctor knows whether they can safely prescribe you melatonin based on the other medicines that you're taking. To play devil's advocate a bit here, if I am not a man, so I don't have to worry about the sperm stuff, I'm 28, so I don't have to worry about the puberty stuff, and I'm not taking Xanax or everything else, so I don't have to worry about it interacting, am I okay to take it? First of all, look at why you're having sleep issues. If it's an occasional bad night of sleep, well, we all have those. If you're sleeping poorly on a regular basis... I would be looking at other things first, you know, am I working too late? Using devices, drinking caffeinated beverages, maybe for some people exercising too close to bedtime. But the big thing in actual fact in sleep disturbances seems to be where people go to bed at different times during the week versus the weekend. If you look at the people who are pioneers in having a good, healthy sleep pattern, their number one piece of advice is not take melatonin. It's go to bed at the same time every night, get up at the same time every morning, regardless of whether it's Wednesday or Sunday. And that's tricky. That's not what people want to hear. People don't actually want to hear about don't have a lie-in at the weekend, do they? Yeah, and I mean, a lot of these videos that we're seeing on TikTok are from the Gen Z, right? Like a younger age group who, if they can take a gummy instead of having to, if you're young, you want to be able to go out with your friends Saturday evening and sleep in Sunday morning. And I kind of understand why they might be like, well, if I could just take this gummy, I would rather do that than not go out with my friends Saturday night. Totally understand that. I think my answer to your original question would be fine. Take the melatonin. Know that it's probably going to only help to the extent of about 10 minutes. It might get you to sleep 10 minutes quicker and you might sleep 10 minutes longer. But know that you are potentially taking something which is affecting your heart, your ability to fight infection. And even though you might not be a biological male with sperm to worry about and you may be past the onset of puberty... We don't know about those other reproductive actions. And I just don't want to be taking drugs that I don't know what they're doing in my body. That's just my perspective. Obviously, I'm a lot older than you and my days of going out late on a Saturday and wanting to sleep late on a Sunday, those are long gone. Everybody needs to make these decisions for themselves and probably taking the odd gummy every now and then. Yeah, it's probably fine. But if you find you're needing to take them more often, look at what's going on with your sleep. There's a really fabulous book called Why We Sleep, Matthew Walker. Everybody I've recommended this book to has loved it and then recommended it to other people in their life. So if it's a more than occasional issue, I would really encourage people to take a much deeper dive into what's going on with their sleep. Read this book and potentially talk to your doctor about melatonin, but maybe other options as well. So overall, you know, we like to sometimes try and recap at the end, a thumbs up or thumbs down or a shrug. This might be a shrug to a thumbs down. Yeah, I I think so. I think it's probably going to be fine. But I think the benefit is so little that is it worth taking the risk? I'd go for the lavender on my pillow. I'd go for the trying to standardise my bedtime, trying to reduce the temperature in my bedroom. All of these we know have no ill effects and those would be the things I'd try first. Let's exhaust all those options. Well, pun intended on the exhaust, but let's <laughs> let's um, try all those options 
before maybe jumping to something that we don't 100% know is completely safe. Absolutely. And just to go back to when we talked about the children accidentally ingesting melatonin, it's one thing for you as an adult to be occasionally taking a melatonin. I would be very reluctant to behave as my child's doctor and give them melatonin on a regular basis. We have no idea what melatonin is doing to a younger brain. I'm sure you've heard this idea that younger brains are plastic, they're more changeable. So who knows what giving this hormone that is designed in our bodies to affect our brain's behaviour, who knows about the long-term effects of regularly giving that to a child's young plastic brain? Yeah, I mean, I would think, if anything, at minimum, there might result in a bit of uh, dependency there, even if that's like a reverse placebo effect of feeling like, I've been taking this thing to get me to sleep since I was seven. If I can't take it now when I'm 15, I won't be able to sleep. Very good point. I like that. I'm not sure if reverse placebo is a phrase, but if it's not, I think it should be. Oh, and one more thing I did want to mention is when looking up on TikTok these different videos and kind of falling down the melatonin rabbit hole, I noticed one brand in particular called Echo Z's that were just everywhere. All these different influencers talking about this one specific product, which made me think, is this just a really groundbreaking, incredible product? Because there are so many melatonin supplements out there so is this just an incredible one which is why it's so popular or have they invested some serious advertising and marketing money into tiktok and and paying influencers to promote their product so when you say influencers you're looking at these tiktoks and you're seeing people promoting this people who've got a lot of followers and presumably yeah and interestingly as someone who works in marketing i think maybe five years ago we would have viewed the best influencers to work with as just the ones with the biggest following right the the largest audience but what we know more now is actually the engagement rates more useful so instead of maybe paying an influencer with a million followers an influencer with maybe 4000 followers but those followers are super engaged with them and liking all their content and buying what that person's saying is actually going to be potentially more useful and so there were some influencers with large followings promoting this product but there were also some with smaller audiences but their audience seemed to really engage with their content so it could be a coincidence but i have a feeling that companies like this like that make this product echo z's have decided to strategically either send their product for free or potentially pay some creators to to talk about it on the app that's really interesting and it reminds me of a documentary that i saw on i think it was about facebook but anyway it was something where they said if you get something for free then you are the product and i think those people who use tiktok have tiktok for free you don't have to pay a membership or a subscription or anything to have tiktok do you no yeah it's free so you have to think if i'm getting tiktok for free you know there's no such thing as free in life if it's free to you that means that tiktok is getting something out of us and we are the product that advertisers are buying access to they want that access to us so that hopefully then we'll watch this content and we'll buy this stuff tiktok is happy to give us this service for free because the advertisers then pay TikTok to use us, to sell to us. I'm very cynical yes. about this, as you can imagine, as you can see. Well, and, and TikTok now has TikTok shops, so they're selling things directly through the app now. Not t- as in sellers can sell through TikTok through the app, if that makes sense. So there's even more of an incentive 
for TikTok as a platform to push these people selling because they'll probably take, be taking a cut or something of anything sold I'm on sure. TikTok. Well, I think we might have discussed this in a previous episode a little bit, but if you see a big giant billboard by the side of the highway promoting these Echo Z's mel- melatonin supplements, you know that the company is paid for that big billboard. So you, you know exactly that they are pushing a product that they've paid for that advertising. But if you start seeing it popping up on your TikTok with all these creators saying, oh, I'm obsessed with this product. I love this product. This is my favorite product. You don't always know if that's someone genuinely sharing something that they like and are excited about, or if they've been gifted that item to talk about it or paid for that video. And so it's much less clear than the billboards and spread in a magazine or something like that. And I do think that makes it hard to tell, is this legit or not? I agreed. And in fact, it's funny because when you were talking about the TikTok shops, I was thinking to myself, well, actually, I kind of like that because at least that's open and honest. At least then you know you are in the TikTok shop. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely something to be said about that. And they... On the app now, there's this little bottom, the thing in the bottom corner that says if it's an ad, a company might pay you to have a supplement in the background of your video. So then that doesn't get flagged as an ad necessarily, but they're still trying to get viewers to see this product popping up in different creators' videos constantly. So there, in some ways, it's getting more clear, like with the shop and with these disclaimers about ads but companies are always I think going to find a way around that to make it seem as subtle as possible. Although that's a slightly gloomy note to finish on hopefully this has not been a gloomy podcast hopefully you've found this episode useful how can people give us some feedback Tess? Um, so you can follow us on Instagram you can leave a comment on one of our posts if you have something you want us to talk about or send us a message on there that's probably the best place to find us. But we also have a website at wtytpod.com and there's a contact tab right on there as well. So you can reach out to us via email through the website. Brilliant, because we love to hear from people. We do indeed. We talked about melatonin today because so many people asked us about that. So we do really like to cover stuff that people are asking about and have questions on. In that light, Tess, I think we have next week's conversation planned out because people have been asking you about... CMOS not something I'd ever heard of so uh, I'm off to do a little bit of research and do some prep and we will return next week. We will indeed. Have a good one. Thanks you too ma'am. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in and as a reminder our conversation here aims to pass along some interesting science and help you develop your sciencey thinking muscles. Neither of us are medical doctors or any type of healthcare professional. So we're absolutely not providing medical advice. You should see your medically qualified professional for that. And whilst all content provided is given in good faith, based on the scientific knowledge base available at the time of recording, if we misspeak or further research changes our understanding or that of the scientific community, we'll try our best to make any necessary corrections, either in a future episode or in our show notes. See See you next time. time!